good what's good what's good what's up the people welcome to another episode of the leader set trends podcast with your host aisha thomas really excited to be here talk to you about this topic but make sure that if you have not yet like this share this subscribe that you do that leave a review um because again the more that you do that the more i can reach and connect with more leaders like yourself right so make sure that you do that but today's topic i'm really excited about i've been studying attachment theory and some of you all might have heard of it heard of it or utilize it from the lens of you know relationships but the interesting thing is it applies to leadership as well because one of the things that I do is I always like to set the foundation to connect how our first leaders in our homes in our communities our friends how they impacted and shaped how we show up as leaders today and of course we can grow and develop and transform into um you know whatever we choose to be you know, I consider myself in that transformational leadership side, and I have learned a lot that has helped me show up more effectively as a leader. But for some of you all out there, you might be still on that journey. I'm still learning things, right? We're always on a journey of growing and bettering ourselves as a leader. However, finding like this information about how attachment theory applies to leadership is so powerful. So you might be like, what is attachment theory, Aisha? What is it? Um, so the way it's defined um, is defined, and shout out to, so I found this great um, information from um, David V. Drake. Shout out to you, David, um, for really doing a lot of work with attachment theory. So a lot of the pieces that I'm extracting is from um, him, but just to kind of give you guys an idea of, of how it's shaped and how it shows up. Um, but again, if you want to know what it is, it's really... It really talks about how we have connected um, as our youth, you know, when we were first born, our adolescence, you know, that first few years of our lives and how we were able to connect to our caregivers. And based on of that connection, that bond, how they were able to support us when we were stressed or when we, we cried and we needed someone to be there, how they responded to us and interacted to us, how that really impacts how we do relationships. The thing about leadership is we need to also that shift that's there relationship also have it has it but doing relationships is extremely important as a leader because we have to be able to connect with our team members we need to be able to reach and connect with them constantly and if we aren't understanding uh how the uh, you know, things we experience has impacted us how can we truly um, build relationships. Um, when we get to the segment of leadership in the news, we're going to talk about how a lack of relationships affected a leader's position. But I'll give you the technical definition. Um, so the definition of attachment is an inborn system in the brain that evolves largely in the first two years of a child's life in ways that influence and and organize motivational, emotional, and memory processes with respect to significant caregiving figures, right? So attachment theory, now again, it's, it speaks to um, that infancy, um, how we were able to build those emotional, cognitive, and social skills. Um, it says, as a result, their early experience, talking about infancy, and seeking to reach out for and connect with significant others, particular, par, excuse me, particular, can I say the word, particular, 
All right. The particular person. There we go. Bam. Shortcut. (laughs) You know, those words you find and you stumble upon. I mean, it is what it is. All right. You know, regardless of having the masters or any of that, there's certain words that still stump us. Okay. Amen. All right. So um, your mother is typically the person that um, they look to or that we tend to connect with um, on a regular basis in infancy, right? And of course, that looks different in different households, but that's the typical um, connection. Um, in this process of development of a felt and stable sense of, of, of excuse me, a safe haven and a secure base are critical for the development of a secure attachment in children, right? So what when we say safe haven, you know, what is that space and place? Who was that trusted caregiver that they could have went to when they feel anxious, when they sense danger, when they cry, you know, when we needed that support? What was that safe haven, right? And within that, um, the way that that's built and developed is from what they call cognitive communication, right? So those, those nonverbal signs, because again, as if you're thinking about infancy, we're learning language. We're learning so many different things at that age. We're just soaking up all this knowledge, right? That allows us to utter that first word, mama, dad, dad, right? It's, it's helping us build those things. Um, but it's also, again, allowing us to know like where to go when we want to feel safe, right? When those stressors kick in. I mean, think about it. In leadership, we're faced with so much stress. We're faced with so many different things. So being able to cling on to someone and have that support is super important. So who do we turn to, right? Who do I run to when I need love? I mean, who knows that song? Escape, shout out to you all. But anyway, but being able to connect to someone so you can have a healthy, secure attachment right? What is that safe haven? It says over time, this attuned communication enables the child to develop the regulatory circuits in the brain that give the individual a source of resilience as he or she grows, right? Or they in them, right? As they grow. And the capacity for engagement with others is an empathetic relationship. So there's emotional intelligence that's built, is resiliency. Um, It's being able to just, again, manage themselves, right? Tap into that hippocampus and all those good things in the brain that allows you to be secure. But if you don't have that, it does the opposite. And now it also talked about a secure base. So again, remember I said the development of a felt and stable base, excuse me, stable sense of safe, a safe haven and a secure base are critical for the development of a secure attachment. And we'll talk about the different attachment theories as we go on. So what is a secure base? It is the presence of a sufficient safe haven and it provides a child with a sense of um, um, that secure base provides them with something that allows them to feel confident exploring the world, right? I want to see the world, what it's about and feel open about it right? And to which he or she, right? They and them, right? Can return as needed as part, part as they're ever widening circles. This is important in the, um, of development or for development, because as researchers have noted, the more threatened an individual feels, the more primitive or regressed becomes the style of thinking and behaving. So now think about it again. I know we're talking about our youth, but how does this apply to leadership, right? It's just like fight, flight, or freeze. This really, like, again, these are, this is the development part. Remember, I always share that in any training that I do about emotional intelligence um, or just the development of us that, you know, we are naturally in this space of, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. Our body are a self 
excuse me, self-preservation, um, you know, being that's who we are. So our body is like, you know, has a mind of its own of, okay, even though I might be scared because I'm watching the scary movie or I'm uncomfortable because I'm about to, I'm about to speak in front of a ton of people, the way your body responds physiologically, um, it's dependent on, it's not thinking like, oh, this is just for a presentation that Aisha is doing. It's responding just based off of, they don't, it doesn't know the specifics to it. It just knows that physiologically something's happening and this is connecting to like that fear side or that flight side or that free side. So we're just going to respond based off of that so we can preserve, right? Preserve ourselves. So, and then on the other side, the most dominant part of the brain is the emotional center. And again, I always say it's beautiful how we are developed and we are naturally emotional. Remember you are emotional, but again, if we're not learning those specific skills so we can learn how to balance, you know, the emotional side, as well as the rational side and the thinking and the processing, the critical thinking side, which doesn't mature until you're in your twenties right? If we don't have that support, what happens? The emotional side drives us. So we're making decisions solely off of emotions without, again, um, my, my son, he's, he's doing some awesome um, behavioral therapy classes. And today it's interesting, right? Or whenever you listen to it, I'm saying today, but on his session that he did um, recently, they taught him how to um, think before they act, right? You know, pause, you know, I even have cars that we go through, pause, think, then act. And those things that even we're, he's learning at eight years old is going to benefit him into his adulthood because a lot of us didn't learn, you know, pause, think, then act. A lot of us just act based off of how we feel without actually processing it processing, excuse me, processing what we're thinking about while we're thinking about that, what's happened and making the best decision possible so we can have a win-win situation. We just act, right? So all these things are so important when we're thinking about this attachment theory and it's powerful information. It also says a secure base reassures the child's need for familiarity, all these words, right? <laughs> Preserving stress-reducing behaviors and emboldens the child's need for um, exploratory and information-seeking behavior. Things that we need as leaders, right? Seek, right? Learn, get out there and connect with people. The strength that comes from having a reliable and re um, resonant secure base enables a child to feel both internally integrated and interpersonally connected to others as they move out into the world. This is powerful stuff. That's why I always say, right? A lot of us like try to say, okay, we're going to cancel the emotions. We're going to cancel this and cancel that. But we are big babies. You know what I say? We are big babies. And when I say big babies is that, again, we have to realize how much our childhood, what we experience in the home, how much that has affected how we show up in the world as leaders, even as followers, it has a tremendous effect. And by us understanding this a bit further or a bit more and getting the help that we need, the development that we need, heal, grow, transform, right? A lot of us are doing trauma-based leadership. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So the more that we can heal, grow, develop, identify what our blind spots are, where they came from, the root cause, and work through those things, the more you'll find yourself growing as a leader and connecting with your team members a lot more effectively right? It's a beautiful thing. It is, right? So again, we have, you know, those aspects of that safe haven. Who's our caregiver that's trusted I can go to when I'm afraid, right? How, how, how do they teach me how to handle this? 
Right. And again, there, yeah, there could be some over-reliance of um, that caregiver, but again, it all depends on that balance and that effectiveness that you got in the home. And then also realizing that our caregivers are also a lot of times functioning based off of their type of attachment theory, excuse me, their attachment and what they experience. And if they didn't do the work, right? And it's nothing on them, but if they didn't recognize it, grow and develop and do the work applicable to get to the other side, it can affect their youth, their children. It can affect us, right? So, you know, and we're living in a time where development, growth, therapy, all these great things are on the front and center. So we might be the first generation that will develop more secure, securely attached children. And that's a beautiful thing. All right. So you probably want to know what are these four attachment theories? What, what are they? What are they? And of course we have secure, we have avoided, anxious, and disorganized. But before we get into that, have you liked this? All right. Did you share it to anybody? You're like, oh, this is good. I need to share, share it to somebody right now. I know a supervisor. I know a leader. I know a colleague that I had this conversation with. And I'm like, I'm sure. I feel like there's something that they need to work on. Right. And of course we're not trying to, you know, diagnose anyone or whatever, but please share this information again, subscribe to it, leave a review, make sure you are doing that ASAP, okay? ASAP, and as always, as I mentioned, if you need any support, um, you know, as far as all of the trainings that I provide to take leaders to the next level, take staff to the next level, um, please make sure you reach out, info at AishaThomas.org, but go to my website and get more details so we can set up that free consultation ASAP, okay? So let's talk a little bit more about these different attachment theories, right? It's powerful stuff. What are they, right? And what we're going to do is build on this conversation as we go throughout, um, you know, the next few weeks, all right? So make sure you really are tapped in. Make sure you're tapped in. All right, so let's, let's check out this attachment theory a little bit more so you can have an understand. So what we talked about, there's four main ones, we have secure and secure is where we want to land. Secure is where we want to be. That's what should we should be striving for. Let's be secure, right? So what you're looking at when you're talking about a secure attachment style, that's someone that's good with intimacy, right? When we think about intimacy, we're talking about that connection, those bonds, right? Right. Th that we need to make with people, our team members, those that we are supporting on a day-to-day -day basis. There's a level of self-sufficiency. I am self-sufficient right? I, I can navigate the day-to-day, -day, the stressors, capable of trust. And that's important too. When you want to, you know, uh, uh, pass on something to a team member or whomever, right? What is your trust level at? Positive view of self, confidence plays a lot into how we lead, how we manage on a day-to-day -day basis. So what does that look like? The next one, right, is avoidant, I'll tell you guys, maybe I'll tell you guys where I land, okay, where I land, um, but we'll keep, we'll, we'll dig into that later. I'm um, avoided, right? I'm comfortable with intimacy, right? So those connections, those interpersonal relationships, getting close to people, right? They're, they're uncomfortable with it. Overly independent. Ooh, you know what? I'm going to just manage all these tasks. Even though I have five other team members, I have X amount of people on my staff. I'm just, I got this. Those are the people that never ask for help. And the reality is we do need help sometimes. That's why we hired them a lot of times, right? We want to push this mission and vision. We want to get to the next level. We need to be able to, what? Depend on people, right? Support, get the support we need. There's a balance we need to have of independence, right? And then also, I want to say dependence, but support. Can seem distant and cold, 
imagine how, you know, oh, I don't understand why people don't want to come and talk to me in my office. Or I don't know why they talk to me. Well, you know, this might be the vibes that you're putting out there. Positive view of self, right? So they have a positive view of their self. That's awesome, right? That confidence is up there, you know? They're just out here like, I'm the best. But the reality is, um, even though you're awesome, there's some areas of development, all right? The next area is anxious. Now, I lived in this area for a little bit, okay? I'm gonna be honest. I lived in the area of anxiousness for some time. So they seek excessive intimacy. So they want that connection. But the interesting thing is, like, when I read this, it's like, I'm a little bit of everybody because it's like, I am more of a introvert. Um, and I'm more of a person that like stays to themselves, but when there is a bond, where is, there is a connection where we do connect, right. In an interpersonal relationship, it's like, it's, it feels good. Right. Um, but some people just exceed, ex- uh, excuse me, they seek excessive intimacy or they're, or they're constantly, um, reaching for it, searching for it. And again, you have to be able to balance those moments where it's like, I got to focus, I got to grind. And the other side of, um, it's time to connect. Right seeks constant reassurance. They need to constantly hear like, you're doing great. How am I doing? And like, there's always a concern that they may or may not be good enough as well. So there's always seeking for that reassurance, asking the same question. Are you sure? Has things changed? Um, What's wrong with you? You know, I just think that, well, you know, you might've told them multiple times, but um, to them, they're constantly seeking that validation. Doesn't like to be alone and a negative view of self, right? a negative view of self. And we're going to talk about why um, people live in each one of these areas. And then there's disorganized, right? Disorganized. And also just know that as I talk about, we can bounce in, you know, these areas here, these attachment style, we can bounce in, um, in one of these areas. So we don't always, sometimes if you are in a space or place where you are maybe um, navigating someone else that's anxious, you might automatically throw in that, uh, throw on the side of avoidant or disorganized. So just know that depending on the scenario, the type of um, environment that you're in, you might bounce into another one, right? That can happen or it can evolve over time. Um, and disorganized, wants intimacy, but fears it. They fear it. You know, there's, a, there's like a, it's a trust thing. Again, trust is huge. So they might like, I want to connect. I see these great people, but there might be like, can I trust you? Where did that come from, right? I mean, we're going to, again, dig into that. Expects to be hurt. It's an expectation. You know what? Everybody hurts. You can't trust nobody. I mean, everybody hurts people. So just imagine someone with that behavior. So they're, again, they're there to themselves, but there's an expectation like, Oh, you know, I can't trust them. You know, you can't trust these people here. So you make sure you do this and that. And just imagine a leader developing you from that perspective, right? Or leading from the aspect of, you know what, these, I can't get too close to these team members because they're going to quit, or I can't get too close to them because of whatever, but there's an expectation of being hurt. Fears rejection, right? And again, that ties into the expect of hurt. What if I open up to these individuals or what if I connect to these people and they just reject me anyway? Or they have this language where like, well, leaders tend to be, you know, once you get to the top, you're alone anyway. And I like being there. But again, um, feeling or having that belongingness is important to us. We want to belong. We want to connect. So, you know, but there's some people who are like, I don't want to be rejected because they felt it so many times in their youth that it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling. So they stay away from those bonds and connections because they don't want it to happen. Or they wear this cloak of stay back and they have a negative view of self as well. So those are the different aspects and the different um, areas of, you know, this attachment style. 
And my question is, like, as I've been um, reading this information and you've been um, reviewing it or, or thinking about it and listening to it, what are your thoughts? Like, which one stands out to you? Which one is like, oh, I think that's me. That stands out to me tremendously. There I go rhyming again. <laughs> but you might be like, that really stands out to me. Which one or where do you live in, in one of those houses? Are you secure? Are you avoided? Are you anxious? Or are you disorganized? So to give you a little bit more perspective on it, right? Children who are seen as secure, again, generally had mothers or parents or caregivers who um, you know, were allowed them to be free and autonomous, right? Emotion, they were emotionally available, meaning the, the, the caregivers and um, perceptive of and responsive to a child's needs, of states and their signals. A securely attached child feels safe, understood, and confident. You know, that most of the time that parent is a reliable source of nurture protection in meeting their needs. Again, in leadership, right? Because again, flip it on the other side. If you have a team member, you know, they had this positive experience. They're going to look at that leader in the same way, not as a caregiver, but okay, their emotional, their um, emotional intelligence is up to par. You know, when they're in a workspace, you know, they feel confident, they feel safe. They know how to navigate challenges. They know how to connect with other people. They feel protected. They know that, you know, and again, the way that we um, engage with our team members, we can trigger some of these things. So when that leader, excuse me, when that, you know, team member comes to you, you know, can they come to you? Do you make them feel safe? Do you create a safe environment for them? Are you a reliable source, right? Are you meeting their needs professionally? But that's the that's the that's the perspective of that secure aspect as a leader, right? Now for the avoidance side, right? They generally had caregivers who were dismissing, emotionally unavailable, and or unresponsive, and perhaps even rejecting of attempts of proximity. As a result, these children tended to avoid dependence by pursuing, by, excuse me, pursuing self-reliance and discomfort with closeness, and therefore preserve distance and avoid their needs by using the activating strategies. Again, that, that dependent side, right? I got it. I don't want to get too close to someone, right? Because again, they live in that perspective where it's like, you know, they were dismissed. They didn't have emotionally available caregivers, right? They didn't respond to their calls or their needs. And they, again, there's a bit of rejection that happened. So now they have self-reliance. I got myself. I'm going to take care. I'm going to take care of myself. I have me. I am good. Now, how does that show up in leadership? Just imagine a leader, they're not connecting. I got this, you know, there's like this, this discomfort, like, okay, I don't want to go to the, to the, um, the, the after, after work event, or I don't want to, they don't maybe push to do too many events where it's team building, right? There's just a level of distance that they keep. That's the avoidant. Now anxious, they had caregivers who were preoccupied and consistently available perceptive and responsive. They were enmeshed and entangled and frequently imposing their state, right? Meaning that depending on what they're going on, dealing with that day, it might be just a whole nother experience. As a result, that child tended to manage their uncertainty and independence by pursuing closeness and protection and manage their anxiety about the availability of and their intrinsic, intrinsic value to significant others by using hyper activating strategies. 
So now that this is the opposite end where they're like, they pursue closeness, right? They're, they're just in the face, in their face all the time. They just, they just want it. It says they manage their, excuse me, anxiety about availability of, and their intrinsic value to significant others by using hyperactivating strategies. They're going to find some way to get that attention, right? How does that show up for a leader and, or how does that show up on the other side if you're that's a, a team member? And again, we have to think about how are we showing up as leaders? Are we the ones that are always preoccupied and don't have time? We're not available. We're, we lack responsiveness. I mean, the reality is those that we are supporting or supporting us, you know, they, again, they're navigating some real life, some real life things. Right. And our effective effectiveness as leaders, we can learn so much by understanding like this is this could be the shape of my staff. So how can I do what can I do to make sure that I live and I support them in the secure area? But also on the flip side, right, for us, we have to be aware of when we need to go work on these things as well. So we can try to live as well in the secure side as individuals. Now, lastly, disorganized, generally high caregivers who were frightening and frightened right? Disorienting, disorienting. So again, if I use an example of, you know, maybe someone lived in an abusive household. So you might have someone that might've been the abuser or someone the, that is the abused. So when you say frightening and frightened, right? Or someone could live in both areas. Disorienting and alarming. As a result, these children tended to simult- simultaneously, right? my goodness, these words today, can't speak, <laughs> approach their caregiver for security and avoid their safe for, uh, and avoid her or him for safety, resulting in a conflicted or even disassociated state, right? And this, uh, this is actually the least common attachment pattern, but it happens. They were so like wishy-washy type of experience, like the disorganized is probably all over the place all over the place. You might not be able to understand them a little bit more or understand them as much. So to give you a perspective on this or, or a visual of it, I, I want to take you into um, what that looks like. What does that person look like as far as that um, secure, anxious, avoiding, or disorganized, right? So secure, self-assured, direct, responsive. Then you have anxious, preoccupied, right? Self-doubting, they're anxious, they're sensitive, avoidant. You know what? I'm avoid this. <laughs> Dismissive, self-reliant, distant, and disorganized, just fearful. I don't know. I'm just, again, they're, they're in that uh, fright mode all the time. They might be self-sabotaging, unpredictable, isolated. So they might constantly have that play in their mind. Like, I don't know if I can trust them. It's always like, well, when is the ball going to drop? There's something... You know, things might be going good, but they find a way to flip it. They have a great opportunity in front of them, but they find a way to just self-sabotage it. This is where the disorganized lives. So I really want you to sit and ask yourself, how does this show up for me as a leader? Because we have to first assess ourselves, right? Before we get into other people and how they show up, how does this show up for me? Where do you think that you're living or what's connected to you? And of course, you know, if you need additional support, please utilize the resources that you have around you, right? Because again, our goal is to be in the secure side and really start um, embedding those, those tools and strategies so we can live on the more secure side. 
that is extremely important. So how does that look? I love this baby. She's so cute, right? So if you look at where the secure side is, preoccupied, avoidant, fearful, and again, preoccupied is that anxious, fearful is disorganized, secure, low avoidance, low anxiety, but avoidant, right? Avoidant, they have low anxiety, but high avoidance. What are they avoiding? What interaction are they avoiding? What engagement are they avoiding and how does that affect you as a leader? Then you have on the other side, right? That disorganized, high anxiety and high avoidance. And I always think about these things that we navigate from a health perspective. How does that affect the body, the brain, how they show up? We talk about the external, but internally, there's so many things happening when you have high anxiety and high avoidance. Again, from the outside, we might think like, what's up with that person? But we don't even realize it's so much deep rooted. Um, there's a lot of deep rooted things they're navigating. And on the other side, low avoidance, right? For preoccupied, aka anxious, low avoidance and high anxiety, right? So they might avoid because again, these are the individuals that are like, I want intimacy, I want connection, I want interpersonal relationships, but there's a level of anxiety there too, right? Because what happens when they don't get it? How, how does that make that person feel when they don't get it? Am I good enough? What's wrong? Is something, did I do something, right? They might even find themselves trying to prove themselves or doing things just so they can get, again, that that hyperactivity, get that attention because I just need to be around people. I want them to be around me. So where do you live? Why do you live there? And how can you get the support to get to the other side of that? Because it's important for us to know these things, leaders. It really is. And although we might be quick to say, okay, we might have team members like that. I want us to assess ourselves to make sure that we are doing the work to be more on the secure side, to be more on the secure side. So, you know, you might be like, well, well, what can I do? What can I start working on? I just want to give you some like, you know, final bits of data on this, right? And then make sure you come back because next time we're going to be talking about it from the follower's perspective. How does this look like on the person that's uh, the follower, the staff, the team member, the person that's following your lead, right? So it's interesting because there's been some studies done and the studies have said that transform, excuse me, transformational and charismatic leadership. They were related to the secure attachment style. So those, you know, we hear about all the different type of um, type of leadership styles, right? I live in the transformational side. So even though I might have navigated some, you know, disorganization or some anxiousness, I live on the transformational side. But that is attributed to the therapy and the work that I put in within myself personally to grow and develop. And now it's showing up on the other side. But those two leadership side styles right? They live more in that secure attachment, right? They're likely to have trusting relationships with others as well as positive view of themselves compared to insecure leaders, such as who? The late, excuse me, laissez-faire. Those are those hands-off leaders. You know, they call them, you know, that's where lazy comes from. But laissez-faire, you know, the ones that are really, really hands-off. But why is that? They say relate, they are related positively and dis, uh, with dismissing, right, attachment, ta- excuse me, attachment style, forgive me, right? Leaders who have a hard time trusting others but feel good about themselves may have little faith in their subordinates, abilities, and skills. They're like, I trust me more than I trust them. 
or, you know, or they're just hands off and they got it and just sit back. Like I just, that's their way of avoiding that connection. Right. So you're not going to see too much of that, um, that anxious side. Those people like, I don't want the attention. No, they tend to like, no, I'm good over here. They may not value subordinates, their input or involve them in decisions, which may result in low morale. And I know there's some other leadership styles that's more hands off or, you know, the ones that are more like direct. So you're looking at those ones that we've all been around that feel more on the negative side or the uncomfortable side. Those are the ones that are living in that um, attachment style. So you might be seeing a bit of that avoidant, anxious, or even disorganized that's happening there, but definitely more of that avoidant or disorganized. So if you were to assess your leadership style, where are you at? And just know that for anyone, any leader that's watching this, you might be a leader in development and growth. Um, you might be a leader that's, you know, in the process of, um, you know, again, developing, you might be a new leader. And I definitely have been the hands-off leader. I've definitely been maybe the avoidant leader. I've been the anxious leader. I've been through a lot of these phases or a little bit of a, a little bit of mall. It's probably lived more on the disorganized side. But the work I put in when I got that feedback from my team allowed me to understand what I needed to work on, that it was time. And the interesting thing is to really test to see where you live is during stressful times because again, these attachment styles are really uh, connected to, okay, when I needed support, when I fell, when I was, you know, dealing with the ups and downs, who was that caregiver that was there to support me so I can learn these tools of emotional intelligence and security and know how to explore the world and what to dodge and whatnot, right? Remember, attachment theory speaks to what happens for infants emotionally, cognitively, and socially as a result of their early experience in seeking to reach out for and connect with significant others, those caregivers, our first leaders, really shape how we see the world and connect with others. And again, stress, that is very revealing. How do you show up when it's stressful? Things might be good right now, leaders, but when it's stressful, how are you showing up for your team? What does that look like, right? Are you pulling back? Are you, you diving in? What does that look like? So one of the things you really want to do is assess yourself when you go through stressful times. Assess that. What does that look like? How have you responded? Really assess yourself. And that's why I always talk about self-assessment at the end of um, the week, the day, making do, doing that on a regular basis, because you can ask yourself that key question. How did I show up for my team this week? How did I show up for myself? What were the ups and downs? Did you ask for feedback? What was the feedback that you heard a lot of? Right. Or what are you seeing happening around you and how are you showing up? Right. Are you triggering some like oh, triggering some things because you might be distant because that's the reality, too. And again, it's not our responsibility to to um, address these things, because, again, we want individuals to pursue their own growth and development. But the reality is we want to be leaders that show people more security. That might have been the first security that, you know, someone has felt. But we want to live on that side. So assess yourself the next time you are in a stressful season in the workplace. Maybe you're going through that now, but how are you showing up? Are you less interactive? Are you checking in with people? 
how are you navigating the day-to-day as you're navigating um, a stressful time? Are you taking on all the, uh, all the, all the roles and responsibilities? Are you delegating? Right. When someone wants to connect with you, are you unavailable or are you available? Are you just like, okay, no, something's wrong. No one wants to connect with me. Something must be wrong with me. What does that look like for you? And really start identifying what those things are. And then how does those, how are those behaviors affecting, of course, you and also affecting your team? Take inventory on that. Really, really do. Because again, before we can go and start creating secure leadership, or, or excuse me, creating a safe haven for others, we have to understand ourselves first, right? We have to do that. So once we understand ourselves, where we live, now we can start working towards being or, or di- directing ourselves to that safe and secure place because our team members are looking to us for that support, right? It, they're looking for us for that connection, Statistics say, uh, you know, as the uh, last study that about about around 50 percent of children are securely attached. They're in that secure part, you know, but it's been a decrease over some years. It used to be a higher amount. And we can say that, you know, there's been so many different things that's happened within the household that has shaped the home. And that's why you probably are navigating children who are living in other the other attachment styles. So that's the one so important that these are going to be the leaders of tomorrow. These are going to be the the ones like our children, right? Um, Our loved ones, you know, those babies and those, you know, wonderful, you know, nieces and nephews we get to visit and so on. Some of us have cousins that are young. They're the future leaders and they're going to be the ones who shape the organizations and societies. A lot of the things that this generation is going through, Gen Zers, right? You have these new generation that's coming up, but a lot of them are dealing with a lot of mental health issues, a lot of um, things that they're navigating. But if you look at the makeup and the shape of their parents, right, went through recessions and went through so many different things, that has a lot to do with how they're showing up today. And if you couple it with social media and all those different things, man, a lot of people are like, man, what's up with this generation? But it all starts in the home. It also starts uh, starts with how society and culture is today. And the more that we can start to understand how the outside world affects the inside of us, right, it will allow us to have a little bit of more empathy, understanding, so we can start to embed belongingness in our workplaces. So what stood out to you today from that, right? Make sure you comment right? Make sure you message me. Make sure you comment and make sure again you share. Um, And don't forget to subscribe. told you I did again. All right. So before we transition, what are we about to do? Leadership in the news. This is our new segment. What is leadership in the news? It's when we look at real life situations that's happening in the world and what we can learn from them. What can we learn from these scenarios? All right. So one of the ones that I'm looking at currently is from GameStop, right? You know about GameStop. What y'all know about GameStop? So what's happening is the question is that I pose on my Instagram, right? I like to throw these things out there. What is the right leadership fit? Why? Because recently GameStop released a leader. They they got rid of them um, or released them, excuse me, um, as a mode of accountability, right? So according to the CNBC article, the reason why is because they said that he was not a right fit, for the culture. He wasn't a culture fit. 
and we want to make sure that the culture that um, we we um, are creating are healthy and positive. And they said he was too hands off. I instantly think laissez faire. I'm thinking like, mm, was this like a avoidance style, disorganized? Why were they hands off? Right. Oh, I love this language. Right. Because, again, we can tie connect. We can connect it in some kind of way. And of course, there's so much more that we have to learn about the person to understand this. But, you know, these things, these buzzwords or these things connect to what we just talked about. So an alleged email that went out to the staff stated everyone in the organization must become even more hands on and embrace a heightened level of accountability for results. And regardless of what organization company that you work for, again, they have I always say they have a right to set the expectations, what they're looking for, um, uh, what they're looking for as far as a leader or staff. So they put that message out there. Everyone needs to be hands on. Right. Accountability or again, the accountability is going to follow because, of course, you know, there's accountability when someone isn't executing. So the important thing is to making sure that as leaders that we are doing a pre-assessment, we're collecting the data before we analyze and then analyze and then apply what what the, the method of disciplinary actions or accountability is going to be. Right. But the question is, are these things that we're thinking about when we're interviewing, when we're assessing and vetting potential leaders and staff? A lot of the questions that have been asked in the past have solely been about IQ, skills, and abilities, but how about those attributes, right? What about those um, questions that ask them about, okay, how were you able to navigate, you know, COVID-19 um, and the, you know, your well, what were the wellness initiatives that you had? Or what do you think kind of wellness initiatives do you think that organizations need to embed? How are you learning uh, about that leader or that staff member a little bit more deeper than just their skills and abilities, just the IQ things? We need to get to the EQ side. We need to learn a little bit more about the individual just to understand. Because again, if you want, because GameStop is looking to really transform their organization, but they need to know this. They need a certain type of leader to do that. And even the new leader that they hired, they they are offering a transformation bonus. I was like, I didn't even know this was exist existed, right? But it's beautiful. It's good to know that. And and of course, you know, I, I never heard the term transformation bonuses bonus. But of course, there are perks to be able to transform a team and organization and so on. So, what is your pre assessment? What are you thinking about when you're thinking like, okay, I need I need a leader to come in. Right. I need them to have this type of uh, experience, but I also need them to have these certain attributes. Then again, once they're on board is collecting the data. Now that they're here, document, document, document. What is your feedback and assessment process where you're still looking for these things? Not just the IQ, but the EQ. Their attributes. How are they showing up? How are they hands on? Are they hands off? And when you are seeing that they're hands on by the first 30 days, how are you addressing it? What is the progression in uh, developing that individual or even, again, the disciplinary actions? So document, 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 and then again, analyze that data. Once you have documented and assessed it, now what is the accountability measures if you don't see a change? What is your, what is your process if certain, any or all of those needs aren't met? What does that look like for you? So I was thinking about what is the area of concern? Has there been progressive accountability or documentation? Did they have an opportunity to remedy? And of course, you know, I always say any organization, company, business, by all means can shape 
their accountability measures, however they choose to. But are we really giving our leaders a chance to grow and develop? Because again, you have that leader coming in and maybe, you know, they think they're supposed to show up one way or they're navigating one of these different attachment styles or they're just navigating who knows what and they need time to progress. I was one of those leaders and I'm grateful for the leaders that took me under their wings, you know, and really helped me become better. And those team members that were strong enough, I won't even say strong enough, but brave enough to give me feedback, right? And open enough because having those conversations can be uncomfortable. So there's a level of bravery and courage to do it because it's going to benefit me. We want to always look at feedback as an opportunity for someone to grow versus them taking those same behaviors into the next company and organization. Do they have an opportunity to remedy it? Is the feedback and tools not being applied? Why? Right? Are you speaking their language? And what accountability method is best if that's needed? So it's not an instant like, yeah, out of here, yeah, out of here, but really trying to look at it from a perspective of growth and development, right? So what is that right leadership fit for you? Do you think how they handled this situation was effective? He only been there for a year, but you a year can be telling for an individual. It really can. But I'm interested to know, like, was there progressive growth and development? And we have to take the accountability as leaders if we don't take time to grow and develop our team members. All right. So check that story out. Comment and ask yourself, like, okay, where where do I land as far as those type of things? But as always, I thank you guys for tapping in. As always, I appreciate you all. You all are amazing. Um, I'm going to get into, again, attachment theory and how that looks for followers, staff, those that are following our lead, because that's important too. And now how we can create more secure styles, but we need to first go back and what assess me, myself, and I, because leadership starts with self-leadership first, right? So take this time, the next seven days and assess yourself, or even go back and think about that stressful time and how you handle it as a leader. And always, what's the solution? How, what's, what, what tools do you need to get to the other side of it? And if you need that support, as always, reach out to me, my website, AishaThomas.org. Follow me on social media at um, Miss Aisha Thomas, right? Make sure you like and subscribe. If you're listening to this audibly, make sure you watch the virtual video one, all right? That's available on my YouTube. Just search for Aisha Thomas Uno One, right? And as always, I appreciate you all. And as I always say, individuals don't typically quit the organization. They typically quit the leader. And that's why you need leadership development. All right. Get at your girl. You guys have an amazing, amazing week. And I'll catch you guys for the next episode. Bye.